0: this is a podcast from minute media welcome to the sixer sense podcast hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein hey everybody welcome to another episode of our podcast I'm Lucas I got Chris here No you're right tonight but we're recording after the sixers went against the Cleveland Cavaliers and it's just it's been A heck of a night for a couple different players, and we just felt the need to record because we're not recording tomorrow on Super Bowl Sunday, so we figured now seems like the appropriate time. So, Chris, thoughts about – we can just – well, before we get into the Cavs game, I guess we should jump into the OKC game, right?
1: Yeah, let's just run through it real quick. Um, First night of a back-to-back, bit of a slow start, but Embiid picked it up late, Maxi picked it up, and – Philly ended up winning 100 to 87. Some some pretty notable lines, really, from Embiid with 25 and 19 with five blocks. 24 points for Tyrese Maxey, 17 points, 11 rebounds for Tobias. Um, what were some of your big standout moments from that game, Lucas?
0: I mean, it, it was clear that the Sixers weren't playing their best game, and that's fine because we knew that they were having a back to back, the first night of a back to back. Outside of that, I mean, let's let me just start with the starters here. I mean, it was another great Joel Maxi combo night. We're not going to get that many of those moving forward once James Harden starts playing. But twenty-four and twenty-five for each player is a pretty good stat line. And Maxi was far more efficient from the field. Joel struggled, but the Sixers team as a whole struggled shooting the ball, so that's not too surprising.
1: This was obviously Shake's first game back. Mm. He he didn't do very well. Three points or two points, one of nine from the field, four rebounds, two assists in 25 minutes. Um, Looked a lot better in the Cleveland game. You know, obviously he's going to have to shake some rust off. It's been a while since he's played, but it's really nice to see him back out there. I think it's notable. We'll talk about Cleveland. Paul Reed has been the backup to Joel for two games in a row now over Charles Bassey we will see what happens once Paul Millsap is available i i feel like he's probably going to get a crack at things but um we could be seeing a lot more Paul Reed down the stretch of the season which is you know i'm always going to give that a thumbs up um this is again one of matisse's better games we've been saying that a lot lately it feels like 10 points 3 steals really figuring things out offensively as a cutter even if that three isn't really falling yet um and yeah like OKC okay, got 15 points off the bench from Poku, which made me happy. Um, Darius Baisley with a pretty impressive double-double, 14 points, 15 rebounds. But that's that's not a very good team. This is a game the Sixers should generally win. First game after the trade deadline, of course. It's understandable that they came out kind of lethargic. But, um, you know, good teams beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And Philly has done that for the most part this season. So a, a pretty good victory. Um, mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, there were some sections where they played down to their opponents, but overall it was a good thing. And one thing I would like to note is that Doc Rivers did play a lot of Maxi and Milton combo minutes. And I think the reason why, if I had to suspect, is to see what this team looked like with two uh, playmakers on the court at the same time, because that's exactly what's going to happen when Harden starts playing. So uh, I will say that. And I I kind of don't like the fact that Milton got 25 minutes after being out for a month. That that seemed a little excessive. I would have used him and slowly considering that he's coming back from a back injury. But you're right, Paul Reed did look good. Uh, Minus one failed dunk attempt, and you know Doc Rivers commented on that saying that Reed knew that it was a bad move. Um, It will be interesting. It it looked like prior to the trade deadline that Charles Bassey had surpassed Paul Reed. Uh, It's nice to see that Doc Rivers is giving Reed a real shot here, and he's been looking good the last two games. We'll see what happens with Paul Millsap, like you said um overall it was a good game can't complain and we'll just see what happens i mean like i said they played down to their competition but they still won so that that's nice but let's go ahead and switch gears to the cavaliers game now chris and i want to talk about this because it was a ten point one one oh three 103 to 93 and we could talk about cleveland as one of the best defensive teams but they had no answer for joel Embiid yet again he, he scorched them the first time this season. He scorched him he scorched this time. He had an incredible stat line. I think only Will Chamberlain had these type of numbers, if I saw on Twitter correctly. 40 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals. Fantastic game. Efficient, dominant, and even though Jared Allen is one of the better defensive centers in the NBA, he clearly cannot man up Joel. You had Maxi with 16 points and Toby with 11. Chris, your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Cleveland has two bigs who are credible all-defense candidates. Um, a lot of people have been arguing that Jared Allen should be an all-star, and Joel just gave him the business all night. Um, again, 40-14-10, he had maybe the best dunk of the season <laughs> um, off of a missed free throw over Allen. Um, just really impressive stuff from him. We we really can't say enough good things about how well Embiid has played this year. He was a plus twenty-four. Um the Sixers continue to just really dominate the minutes that he's on the floor. Um another pretty strong showing from Maxi, not like a super poppy stat line, but sixteen points, had some really nice buckets in transition. Um, I mean obviously with ten assists, this is one of Joelle's best passing games. Like he, he really was just in control of every aspect of this game. Um, Cleveland, Darius Garland had a really good scoring night. For, but for the most part, Philly's defense was locked in. They're making some really impressive plays. Joelle had some really awesome plays on Allen defensively. Um, Tobias held his own against a variety of matchups. I thought it was a really impressive two-way effort. Again, on the second night of a back-to-back. This Cleveland is a team that is ahead of Philly in the standings right now. This is a team they're trying to beat out here down the stretch. So a really important one. And I I mean, just super impressive all around. Um, Philly's been the best team record-wise in the East, I think, since January started. So they they continue to win a lot of games. And James Harden's going to be here hopefully Tuesday, seems like the uh, goal. So very exciting.
0: He passed his physical and Paul Paul Millsap, so the trade's official now.
1: Yeah, so um, it's a pretty exciting time to be a Sixer fan. There's a lot to be happy about. Cleveland, again, is a really good team. They play really smart all-around team basketball. And if any team is built to defend Joel Embiid, it's the team that plays three, four, five, seven-footers and has two really elite post-defenders. And, you know, Embiid torched them all night. So pretty good indicator of where he's at as a player. And he's the MVP. Yeah, I, I think right now he's the undisputed MVP. Uh I, I again, I don't think it's undisputed. I I think him and Jokic being ahead of everyone else is undisputed. Like there's really no one else in the conversation right now. But he certainly has as strong a stronger case as anyone.
0: I I think he has a stronger case than Jokic, but that's just me. Um, I I you did I I do want to point out that Matisse Ibo had six steals, which. I mean, and I—I'm pretty sure that's either tied or is a career high for him. Look, you said one of his best defense. I think this is his best defensive effort overall. Six steals, one block, four fouls.
1: Garland got loose for a few baskets here and there, but he had one assist to six turnovers, like you mentioned before we got on. Matisse had six steals, and you know I'm sure that's not a one-to-one ratio, but clearly Matisse had a pretty. Strong impact on Garland's inability to keep control of the basketball. So,
0: better defensive games from Danny Green this season, too. I want to say I haven't seen Danny this active on the defense for a while, and it was happy. I was happy to see that. But, uh, this one, I mean, it was another strong Paul Reed night six points, seven rebounds, three steals. I will say he hasn't been shooting the most effect efficiently since being inserted as the backup. He was three of eight tonight. I think he was three of seven the night before. But I mean, overall, you five offensive rebounds, you can't ask for much more from, you know, a backup center for Joel Embiid. I mean, it was he was a I mean, he was a minus fourteen, but I think that's more or less, you know, Joel not being on the court versus Paul Reed playing poorly.
1: Yeah. And we'll see how Paul Millsap looks once he gets here. But I, I really would prefer if one of Reed or Bassey got these minutes. Um I've written a lot about Bassey and how well he fits Theoretically, with James, but um, Reed is a guy who is just so clearly above the G League level. No matter how many times the Sixers move him down there, he's very clearly an NBA player. He's already a super, like, effective and disruptive defender. Like, truly a uniquely disruptive defender. He had three steals tonight in 15 minutes. Like, that's that's like a Matisse Thibault line. So, he he really works hard, about as hard as anyone will find, and that is really a skill I you know hustle is an important skill to have and he has it in spades so I think Paul Reed's an NBA player I've been saying that all season if he's the guy who wins out this backup center job I think it will be totally deserved and I really think he can give you a 15 solid 15 minutes a night especially as he gets more run gets more used to playing with the guy who can set him up like James James Harden. so um I think it's only up from here for Paul. I'm glad they were able to hold on to him at the deadline. I'm glad he wasn't, like, a throw-in in the hardened trade or anything because I think he still has the potential to be a really unique and impactful NBA player. So um, I, I think it's been a really strong couple of games for him.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Um, uh, I'll be honest. I thought he was going to be on the move. He was one of the players I had predicted be on the move just because it seemed like Doc Rivers wasn't really interested. And playing him all that much, and he, like you said, he's clearly an NBA player, he just needs run. I still think he's probably best as a powerful ward, but we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens for sure. Um, but I guess one quick thing before we move on, Chris who do you start as your fifth starter with James Harden? Is it going to be Matisse or is it going to be Danny Green?
1: I think Danny makes a lot of sense offensively i mean obviously like danny they don't have a lot of volume shooting outside of the second unit right now if you put danny george and ferk and isaiah all in your second group like that's all your best shooters and those are the guys you want around james and bead the most now depending on how you stagger rotations you can get a lot of joel plus shooters a lot of james plus shooters and stuff when you run with the second units but I, I mean, it would be nice to have a guy who just chucks threes like Danny next to Joel and James when they start, especially when Tobias and Tyrese are both out there. But obviously, Defense. Matisse, yeah, uh, Matisse is like the only guy who can consistently guard the perimeter right now, at least at a really high level, and you need that.
0: And they, the, the fact that he's not a zero in offense anymore, that backdoor cut that he has with Joel, that chemistry can burn you know, a couple teams. It really helped him get going in the first quarter. And I mean, yeah, so I, yeah. I think you the spacing work. I'm not too concerned about the spacing because yeah, I would put like Dan, James Harden at the same level, like, you know, for spacing capabilities.
1: Yeah, if you, if you want to think long term, you want to get to a point where you're comfortable starting Matisse, that's clearly the future for Philadelphia is Matisse being that starter full time. He's pretty much been the starter full time for a while now. So I think it will be Matisse. I, I think you could go either way, as who it quote-unquote should be. Maybe it should be matchup dependent. But um, even if Danny like has the better on-off splits generally right now, I can understand why they're going with Matisse. And you want Matisse to be ready to play big playoff minutes because he, he'll need to be able to do that. So I, I would totally be fine with it being Matisse.
0: Played off the court. Yeah. On-off. And like I said, I think the backdoor cutting is a way to solve that, and I like that. I wish we would have seen more of it with Ben, to be honest, but no. It is what it
1: is. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to take the shot. Okay, let's go ahead and move on, Chris, though. All right, we're going to talk about some trades from around the NBA that don't involve James Harden. Let's start, I guess, with the most notable one, Lucas, was Demonis Sabonis going to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton. That caught a whole lot of people off guard. I do not think anyone saw that coming. It seemed like Halliburton was mostly off the table outside of the Ben Simmons conversations. And even then, we were always a little bit skeptical of whether or not he was actually someone Sacramento would give up. Seems like he was, which made a lot of Sixer fans angry for about a day until they traded for James Harden. Um, but what were your thoughts on that move? I know a lot of people were just pretty livid with Sacramento for doing what many people would describe as very King's move, but what were your thoughts there?
0: I mean clearly the Pacers won that trade. Now they have a backcourt of Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton. A little redundant but they can play off each other. They can they can shoot. They can both play make and I mean, I like it. They have made a couple good moves. They snuck, were sneaky enough to get Jalen Smith from the Suns, who the Suns didn't renew his contract. But when they needed him to play um, the season, he looked really good, Chris. After looking yeah. like a bust the first season, so I, I like that sneaky move for them. I, I like that. Um, and like they're gonna be, I think they're gonna be a good team. They got a couple of draft picks in this in this in this uh, trade deadline. They're going to be able. I. I and I don't think they're done. I think they could definitely make more trades. I mean, you. I mean, it looks like T.J. Warren is going to be free agent. That's fine. You could trade McConnell for probably a young prospect and/or second round pick if you wanted to go that route. You. You have options with the. The Pacers look like a young team that could be good for a while. They could flip Brogdon in the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I mean, they could. They could go nuclear or they could retool. I. You know. Tyrese Halliburton is a player that can help you win. Now we'll see what happens, um, but I think they set themselves up for success. And like you said, the Kings did a very King move. I would have definitely tried to get keep um, Tyrese Halliburton at all costs, especially for Sabonis. Uh, Fox and Sabonis aren't the cleanest fit. Neither one of them are shooters, and you don't have. A, and you got rid of literally probably the third best shooter in the NBA, Buddy Hield, to surround those two. And it just it's going to be a clunky fit. And Sacramento did this as a win-now play. It's not going to win now. And I feel bad for Rashawn Holmes because he was having a really good season. Now he's re, you know delegated to a bench role. I'm surprised they didn't trade him, to be honest, after the Sabonis trade. Um, Sacramento is far from I, – I think we're going to see more trades in their future, but it's it's not looking great for them right now.
1: Yeah, so I'll play – devil's advocate a little bit here i i do not know i don't think i would have made that trade if i was the king I, I i think Halliburton's going to be really special he seemed really committed to trying to help turn around the culture there in sacramento and build a winner so i get why people are upset and why people are against that trade but sabonis is only 25 he's pretty young he's made a couple all-star teams already he's right now immediately a better player I, I get why sacramento did it you know part of a way to build a better culture is to win some games and whether or not sabonis moves them to where they need to be on like the mountaintop he's going to help them win a few more games and he it is certainly a change it's a shake up and it you know gives them a new foundation he's he's the best player there now by mm-hmm. a pretty clear margin um so sure i mean you know they have him under contract for i think another two years after this at least he's a guy who probably has another five six seven years of all-star level play in him so this isn't it it is a win now move but it's not like he's old he's like just getting to his prime so they still have plenty of time to grow around sabonis i i I really like, you know, Demonis is a special player and he does elevate his teammates, not in the same way that Halliburton does, but he's a very smart, intelligent player who demands a lot of defensive attention, draws a lot of doubles. He's going to elevate the guys around him. And, you know, it, it's way too early to be like, look, the Kings haven't lost since the trade, but they are 2 0, haven't had a lot of 2 0 stretches in Sacramento this year. It looks pretty good, on you know, so far. Okay. I, but,
0: I mean, they, they're a nice pick-and-roll duo, I'm not going to lie. But, like, if you're not going to have – if neither one of those guys are going to be shooting, which they're not, you need to make sure you have a lead
1: shooter. That's why I don't get the Buddy Heald piece there. I, I Well, uh, I, I think Buddy Heald's contract is, like, a bad contract. You know, I, they pretty much dumped that contract. I don't think that was, like, trade sweetener for Indiana. I think that was getting off of Heald's Well, they need big
0: money that was part of it too. I mean, and they got they got other nice role players. They got Jeremy Just Lamb,
1: Justin yeah. Holiday, two guys who can shoot, and two guys who can they defend. Can, they,
0: yeah, Dave yeah. Mitchell
1: looks really yeah, they, good be, right now.
0: He's going to be having a bigger role.
1: Yeah. So um, I, I I didn't hate the trade really for Sacramento. I get why people are upset. There's a world where Halliburton is better than Domas in a few years, but. I, I mean it's Sabonis is really good and I, I understand why they did it.
0: Um, and like no. I said, like it's it's good for Indiana to break up that two headed giant at center. It just yep. wasn't that work. And I kind of thought they were going to keep Miles Turner to be honest because I mean he fits better. You don't you can plug him in versus having to build around Sabonis. And I kind of like that for what Rick Carlisle likes from his big men.
1: For sure. Um, I, I think the next big one we got to talk about is C.J. McCollum to New Orleans for Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and some other stuff. Uh, Alexander-Walker ended up getting rerouted to Utah, but it's you know uh, kind of been asking for Portland to break up the Lil' and McCollum duo for a while. That's been a point of debate for years now a bit of a strange time to do it while they're like Lillard's still on the team it feels like a weird transition point for Portland but um just from New Orleans perspective Lucas what were your thoughts on that trade
0: I thought this was a slam dunk trade um I mean yeah you got more money on your on your books but like at the same time you only gave up really one first round pick which is good and I mean, granted, it's it's it can be a good one, but like it's 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 solid. Uh, I think that's this is the type of player they needed. I would not be I, I think it would be better if they had Devontae Graham come off the bench as a six man for them versus starting next McCollum. Um, I'm sure they'll figure that out in their own time. But um they needed a dynamic scorer that can do more than just three point shooting like Graham was. They needed to have some buddy that can score on all three levels. And when you get Zion back, you know the playmaking that you know McCollum lacks is going to be made up with Zion. Ingram's playing at an All Star level; probably should have been voted an All Star, to be honest. Um, I like the move. I mean, I, I get that he's older than your core, but you need a savvy veteran if you're trying to get into the playoffs, which clearly New Orleans is still trying to do after their rough start. They're per, they're playing above 500 basketball, so I think. And you're not. I mean, I like Nikhil Alexander Walker, but he's a prospect. He's not going to be contributing like consistently on a regular basis. Josh Hart is a nice guy, but you know, clearly McCollum's better. And from Portland's perspective, you look at this, and it's you. This is a clear sign that you're you're embracing the Anthony Simons uh, era of uh, you know next to Dame. And um, they actually looked pretty good in the game. I think they won their game against the Knicks, which was surprising. And uh side note, they, Justice Winslow actually played a really good game. I'm I'm kind of thinking that he might make make a comeback in terms of his production-wise with the um Blazers. I think he's a good fit there. Um
1: yeah, I I agree. I I a lot of people again were kind of like what exactly are the Pelicans doing? I understand the contract and the age concerns, but Cedric McCollum is still really good at basketball. I think he's a little bit underrated at this point and it it kind of feels like New Orleans is proactively like already kind of trying to convince Zion to stay because there have been rumblings about him maybe not wanting to be in New Orleans long-term, and you've got to give him a team that can win. McCollum, Williamson, Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, that's a really, really good four-person core. I I don't know how it holds up defensively, but offensively, that team is going to really, like, Give most defenses the business, so um, I I think the Pelicans are going to be really good if they can get everyone back healthy. Um, I think McCollum, you know, still has a few good years left in the tank, so I'm not as worried about the contract as others are. Um, Again, Pelicans.
0: Yeah, he's going to be the third option, so that's that's going to help preserve him a little bit too.
1: Yeah, and like the Pelicans have so many picks to just burn through at this point, so they're not really putting much of a dent in their like cabinet of trade assets. So I think fine move. They didn't
0: future picks. They traded uh, I think it was four like either six or four through fourteen unprotected to um to Portland. Yeah. And then fourteen through thirty it's like to somebody else. I I think it's the Grizzlies and then four through one is theirs. Um yeah. so yeah no they all their picks um i i like the deal i i think this was a good i mean clearly this is a move for portland trying to clear the books they got Roko off they got cj mccollum they got uh powell off they're, they're trying they're aiming for something we don't know what yet if i had to guess i i think they're trying to go for beal if i had to guess
1: james hearn's a free agent in the summer <laughs> uh,
0: don't tease like that that's not
1: um yeah, no, um, I, I think the, really the last big name we need to touch on is Porzingis, who was traded to Washington for Spencer Dinwiddie in Davis-Bertons, which is one of the saddest trades that I've seen in a while. Um, I, I I I mean, I don't really hate it for Washington because Dinwiddie looked pretty rough this season, and Bertons is on the bench making 17 million, so... Um, I, I guess you gotta again. They're trying to convince Bradley Beal to stay. Um, Beal's out for the year, though, so it's really going to be the Porzingis show the second half of the year. Lucas, um, what were your thoughts on that trade?
0: Um, I mean, okay, let's look at it from from the uh, Dallas's perspective. I don't. It doesn't make sense, like you said. Dinwiddie struggled. Uh, either fit on the court hasn't worked with him and Beal. I don't really think it would work better. I mean, unless you have him as a sixth man, like you don't, you didn't need Dinwiddie because you already had Jalen Brunson.
1: Like that just seemed like a I, that seemed like a da- salary dump. I I think Porzingis isn't worth the money, but also Dinwiddie's contract is half of Porzingis's, and Berton's contract is half of Porzingis's. But those are both long term deals, and they're both pretty bad relative to what the players look like right now. So they're not really. Doing much financially, um, so th- they still have thirty yeah, plus book. million dollars on the books for the next two three years with those two. So, yeah,
0: they they're supposed to have clear books after two thousand in the two thousand twenty three off season. That's what I've heard, But I guess that's what teams are afraid of. Dallas trying to get a new big name free agent. I don't even know who's a free agent at that point, but it doesn't matter. I don't think anybody's going to Dallas. Sadly, I don't know why, but they've never had free agent. Um,
1: yeah, I, I I mean I I think Dinwiddie deserves like yeah. some time to figure it out he is coming off an acl entry so there's a good chance like at least by next season he kind of turns things around we've seen him be really good as a sick man before in brooklyn that might be his best role yeah i think um, well, dallas dallas used to run a lot of those like three guard lineups um he's so big do tough. that again
0: yeah he's 6'6 six, six, you can play him as a yeah, I mean, just is six seven, he's six six. You got Jalen Brunson six four. I mean, you have size on the front court now, and maybe Bertans just needed a change of scenery. I mean, two years ago he was, he definitely made the Sixers pay a couple times. I mean, maybe he just needs a change of scenery, and who knows? Maybe he can turn things around. Probably not, but.
1: Yeah, I mean there's one point where Bertans earned like a four year sixty million dollar contract, you know what I mean? So
0: And it's not like his play didn't mean that he didn't deserve it. I thought he deserved the contract. Yeah, no, I mean he was really good before that contract.
1: So, yeah. so maybe if, he, I mean he, he's gonna get passes from Luca now. If anyone's gonna unlock Bertons again, it's gonna be Luca. Um I that Dallas is really just banking on Luca, dragging a bunch of role players through the playoffs right now, which it's fine. He can do it, frankly, but, um, yeah, I mean, Luca just doesn't uh, have anyone with uh, remotely, a, yeah. like, a star name attached to him now.
0: I, d- I don't think you get out of the first round with that group. I don't. Even with Luca, it- it'd take a miracle and a really good matchup, not against the Clippers. Um, Now, looking at Washington's side, it makes sense, because you got to try to keep Beal there. I mean, he's going to be a free agent this offseason getting a big name like Porzingis, maybe he can turn things around there. I mean, after he recovers from injury, I mean, and like, he's never played with anybody like Porzingis before either. He's mainly played with other guards. He's going to be the guy now. And I mean, what they're going to rely on Ishmith and how that all the point guard position pretty much the rest of the season. I mean, Beal's going to be out, but like, unless they make a big move at point guard, it's going to be hard for them to like, really, you know, it's, I would not be surprised if he stays, he's going to be the point guard next season. Cause I mean, he has the playmaking skills to do it.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm ready for the whole as a starter. Game. I mean, he is right now. That's,
0: that's what he is though, Chris. I
1: have been waiting for this moment my entire life. Um, it's a big moment for me, but I, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> side note, Hunter there was traded right to the, to the uh, Hornets for the, uh, for Ishmith and Vernon and Carney. Uh, apparently, they just had locker room issues. Everybody having different agendas, and that's why they struggled after the 3-10 start. Uh, which makes sense. Which makes sense. Montrezl Herald has not been the best locker room guy per reputation. Um, yep. And Spencer Dinwiddie just clearly did not fit how him and Beal wanted to play. So I, I think the deals were necessary. Um, I do like Montrez on the... On the, um, on the Hornets with uh, him and LaMelo Ball running the pick-and-roll. I like that. Um, he's, I think now you can actually see P.J. Washington in his natural power forward position, which I like. Um, I guess, any fringe moves that you really like, Chris?
1: Um, One? Yeah, none that I can really think of. I, I think Boston trading for Daniel Tice was really funny. Um, I, I guess Boston Derek White. Derek that was a White? big one. Yeah, yeah that I like a steal for Boston. I, I'm really not quite sure what San Antonio was doing there, but
0: San Antonio was trying to fix the uh, salary off because they got rid of. Um, they got they were able to flip uh, Thad Young to um, Toronto for uh, Der- Goran Dragic, who we'll probably talk about here in a minute. But um, yeah, they're just they're going they're tanking now. I think they're tanking, and it was clear that they had to choose either Murray or White. And I definitely think, well, you know, Murray's the better choice here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they really had to choose. I mean, they could play together, but
0: good. I just, I think they wanted to give White the full reins there, and they have a lot of other shooting guards on that roster too.
1: Yeah, I get it. I guess I'm just surprised other teams didn't outplay Boston. <laughs> Because I feel like they could have gotten more, but maybe that's just me. Um. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, Boston's gosh, the amount of players that they sent for Daniel Tyson was, let's see, it was Ennis Freedom. He got waived, or he's going to get waived. You got a uh, Bruno Fernando. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Dennis Schroeder, he's probably going to stay there. We'll talk about him later too. Um, I, I Boston made a lot of moves. I I like the moves that they made. We'll see how they mesh. I don't think they need that many centers, but you know. It's uh, you know, Brad Stevens team to create and he's just going Did you notice that outside of like Derek White, he's pretty much him and uh him and uh Ime Yudoko are going actually no, Ime Yudoko was there when Derek White was there. Never mind. Uh basically they're going after players that they've already coached before.
1: Yeah. No, I mean he's created for Horford and for Tice and it, it's it's
0: Derek fun. And uh you got josh richardson as well he was traded for Derek. i think it was was it that Derek white yeah i think that that had to be Derek white yeah um yeah no i yeah um but you know we kind of talked about a little bit so let's go ahead and switch now and uh, we're going to talk about some buyout slash agent candidates chris and uh yeah. let's start with the i'm going to start with the point guards then we'll go to wings and then we'll do centers what, Chris, what are a few point guards that really stick out to you in the you know potential buyout or already bought out uh, market?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if they get bought out, Dennis Schroeder or, or Eric Bledsoe or just on talent alone would be worth pursuing. Um, Schroeder most of all, but um, Goran Dragic's a name that's going to be thrown around a lot. I doesn't seem like Philly is on the list of teams pursuing him or getting ready to pursue him right now, but I I really don't think they need another point guard. They got James, they have Tyrese, they have Shake. Um There really should not be any reason for both Tyrese and James to be on the bench at the same time. Um, both those guys should be playing over 30 minutes a night, so... I don't think they really have, like, a pressing need for another point guard. You know, they could sign DJ Augustine with the 15th spot, but we're, he's never going to play. So um, I, I'm really not that pressed about the point guard situation right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, a point guard is, is like, for me, the way that Doc Rivers has done this before, and I'm going based off of history, they will be on the bench together at certain points of the game. Drive for sure, crazy.
1: but even then, like, Shake is a... Pretty capable backup.
0: But shake has been injured for like half the season, dude.
1: I know, but he's uh, healthy now, and he, he's not someone yeah. with like a long list of injuries in his past. So I. So oh, did you notice that
0: shake uh, came back with like a, sl- a tattoo sleeve? Like I, I was just like, hold up, where did that sleeve come from? Because he did not have a sleeve before the injury. At least I don't think he did. Yeah, he did. He did. It yeah. must have been last year. I don't know. I. It, it's new. I, I just noticed it. I don't know. Anyway. They look good anyway but not the point yeah i just i don't know man i'm one injury and then that point guard depth is kind of like and do we really want to play cork Ma's that point again you know i mean you could do yeah. it just i <sighs> it's a tough call what you do with that last roster spot i think you go with best player
1: i i yeah. don't know many teams that have more than three playable point guards, and the Sixers have three playable point guards. so that, that's I mean, is Shake really a point guard, though? I I think he's better than a lot of teams' third point guard. Okay, fair enough. But I, I, I guess, I mean, really still the biggest issue for Philly is, like, ideally they would get another athletic wing who could defend. So one name that stands out is DeAndre Bembry, who was waived by Brooklyn to make space for the trade. Which was a really weird decision because there are players on that roster that probably would have waived before DeAndre Bembry. He's been pretty good for them this year.
0: Like you're adding big men, really.
1: Yeah, Bembry cannot really shoot at all, but he's a pretty interesting and versatile offensive player if you use him right still, and he can defend really well. So I'd be all for Bembry. I, I think he's more interesting to me than like Goran Dragic or D.J. Augustine or something like that. Um, I would so, say
0: if you get Drogic, she's going to sweep frog um, shake on the
1: depth chart. but um, I think Drogic wants to go somewhere where he's going to play a lot, and I, I'm really not sure Philly's going to play him a lot.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers become the premier buyout
1: area. I, yeah. I mean, Dallas has been what everyone's been talking about, but now they have like three it, guards.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, they, they're not connected with him anymore. They, they That's been reported that they have no interest in adding him now. Uh, so, I mean, so then you look at teams like the Lakers. I would think Ben Brary and and Drogic and Eric Lutz. So those would be names connected to the Lakers. Um, but I guess, yeah, Ben Brary would be the primary candidate. Um, those are the only, That's the only wing that I can really think of. Um, outside of that, you look at um, big men now. This is probably... The one area I would say, and I think I heard, Doc, I think I saw that Doc Rivers said that they would probably use that last roster spot on a center. And there's a lot of interesting buyout candidates at the center position. Uh, Cody Zellert, Tristan Thompson, and Robin Lopez, just the name three. You know, the the Kings have a lot of big men. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Damian Jones or uh, Alex Len would become available. Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you think a big man would be a good choice to go there?
1: Yeah, I, I think if you get a player who's good enough, for sure. Um, You know, Tristan Thompson, like you said, went to Indiana. I don't know if they're going to keep him. They don't really need another center right now. Um, Cody Zeller got waived by Portland. I, you know, there's a reason these guys get waived, but Zeller was a starting center not that long ago in Charlotte, and I, I think he can give you some good minutes still. Um, Like, he's a guy where if you sign him, I'd say he should be getting the minutes behind Joel. Um, I don't know how many guys that are out there right now where I'd be like, I would bench Paul Reed and Charles Bassey for those guys. You know what I mean? But I Zeller's would... one of those names. Yeah,
0: Zeller. I, I think Tristan Thompson has to be that. Tristan Thompson is my preferred choice, to be honest with
1: you. Thompson is one of those guys. Robin Lopez, if he does get bought out, would be one of those guys. Um,
0: got Bo Bo in that trade with With. Celtics, so I mean, they don't need another center, yeah. Well, I mean, Bolo's out for the season, though. Oh, that's right, he is because that's the thing. Um, um can go by the way, shout out to Marvin Bagley for getting out of Sacramento. I think Detroit's a good uh, situation for him. I think he should be their starting center for the rest of the season and see what happens. Ah uh, man,
1: no. oh, well, okay, I okay, he's not better. Isaiah Stewart is like significantly better than Marvin Bagley,
0: okay? Well, then he should be their backup. I I don't play Kelly. I mean, I guess you could play Kelly at the four, but like, yeah, I I think Marvin Bagley should get. A, can, I I think he should be their backup center or starting center, however you want to play it. But um, good for Marvin Bagley. Um, my I I think my preference list right now, and I'm going to be writing about this tomorrow. So I'm actually sick right now, guys. i recording. I'm sick, but like, if, assuming my headache isn't too bad. I would like to get uh, Thompson first. Zeller would be a second option. Well, actually, no, I'll say Robin Lopez would be my second option and Zeller my third.
1: I, I think Zeller over both of those guys. Really? Why? I'm curious. Again, I mean, Zeller was a starter a year ago. And I mean, but he Thompson fell off. Thompson has not been that good in a while. Robin Lorello's not a, like, I, I know he's fell off, but. Zeller's a pretty smart guy. He has worked out of a lot of those pick and rolls. I think he'd fit nice with Harden. He can pass the ball a little bit. I, I think Zeller would be my pick.
0: I think I, I we're going to disagree because I think Thompson's my pick. I think Zeller is my third option. He's been struggling with health this season. And, I mean, he's lost the athleticism that made him a lottery pick a couple years ago. Um. Thompson, I, I think you can still rely on him for rebounding, you know, defense. I mean, he's never going to give you a lot on offense, but I, I like Thompson. I just think he's been in bad situations as of Uh Though I wouldn't be surprised if he's a name that could go to the Lakers either. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that 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 pretty much covers it. I mean, I, I prefer not to get Alex Lynn or uh, Damian Jones, I, I think. You would roll the dice on what you got there. I mean, I kind of like Alex Lim, but not enough to like play him over Paul Reed consistently, or uh, Charles Bassey.
1: Yeah, if, I, if, I agree. I I think is my favorite of all the guys we've named. Um, I mean, I just, like, Dennis is kind of an out. Like he's just clearly better than everyone else. If he does get bought out, you kind of
0: would, I think you can it out though, Chris. It sounds like they're going to keep him because.
1: I agree. Um, But yeah, I I think that's it, Lucas. So we'll we'll just go on, head on out to our listeners. As always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Sixer Cents podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible, or Omni. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can read our written work. Lucas hope you feel better bud um and to all our listeners we will be back next week maybe we can talk a little bit about the super bowl and about uh james harden's debut possibly which will be quite exciting yeah yeah
0: yeah we'll be doing that because
1: we'll be recording one day so yeah all right guys um to all our listeners again thank you we will talk to you soon bye guys